Wednesday, everybody. This is Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker, and Aaron will be joining us momentarily. Uh, as we left the radio show today, we were talking about COVID tracking. The state of California is now using the COVID tracking system that is built into or that was developed by Apple and Google together. It is built into iOS, and there is an app in the Google Play Store that was built by Google um, specifically to do CA COVID tracking. That's California COVID tracking. And it all starts up tomorrow on Thursday the 10th. Um, you can, uh, the I, apparently the app in the Google Store will, or the Play Store, Google Play Store will only be available starting tomorrow. But if you have an iOS device, you can actually go in and activate uh, the COVID tracking right now. You'll just get a notice saying that it's currently in testing on California campuses and will not become fully active until they activate the system for the whole state. So you can go ahead and sign up today and it'll just become active tomorrow automatically. And you do that by going to your settings and then COVID tracking and just answer the questions. You can turn it on and, and follow the instructions there. And it's pretty straightforward. Um, once you set it, then you can forget it. You don't have to do uh, it's exposure notifications under settings, by the way. And you go in and turn it on and uh, and it will log any exposures that you have and let you know if there are any issues. And... Uh, uh, you know, it will. Uh, you can also turn off, uh, um, turn on or off alerts, which will um, let you know if there have been any um, breakouts in your region or in your area, so that you can, if you were in that area, you can decide if you want to get tested. Um, and then you can also go in and share a COVID diagnosis and the date, and that way, then anybody who had been exposed to you can then no get will get notified that they were possibly uh, exposed. And um, the way it works is it uses Bluetooth, so it identifies if you're in proximity of somebody and, and how long you're in proximity of that person. And if you go, you know, if you're, you're near somebody and you're near somebody for, I think, more than six minutes, then they say, okay, now you've had a contact with that person. So if that, that person then tests positive during that same time or shortly thereafter or shortly before or whatever, then, excuse me, then you'll get notified that you have been possibly in contact with somebody who was exposed. Um, it doesn't track your location. It doesn't need to look at your contacts. It doesn't track any of the individual information about you, uh, your address or your phone number. It doesn't track anything like that. All it does is it says that an individual was here and that individual was in contact with another individual who tested positive or was not in, in, in contact with another individual who tested positive. Um, it doesn't even tell you where you maybe were, were in contact with them. It just tells you that you were in contact with somebody at this point in time and you can probably backtrack and figure out where you were at that point in time if you're these days we're not going very many places but uh but uh you know apple and google did their best um to to make sure that this is a uh, data collection tool that gathers the minimum amount of information uh in order to let you know whether or not you've possibly been exposed and and doesn't gather any additional personal information nothing is uploaded into a database so that you know you're not um putting your personal information at risk which is not usually the google way but i think they they and apple um uh 
you know, work together to make sure that this uh, wasn't the case. So yay for them. I'm going to turn it on. I fully understand some people don't want to know or don't like to do that. And uh, that was Erin's choice. Here she is, by the way. We'll add her back in here. Greetings. Hi. I uh, was just kind of going through the um, COVID tracking thing again, letting people know about how to um, uh, check it. You know, there's an option in there, too, by the way, that uh, you can turn on alerts or not that will tell you if there has been an outbreak in your area um, that, that you may or may not have been exposed to. So, like, if there's been, you know, a store or a school or something that they can trace back to a location, they will then let you know, hey, you know, we found a uh, an issue in this area or at this location. Um, so, you know, I think it's useful, but I understand your desire not to to mess with it. So, well, and I, and if if it's so pervasive, like if COVID is everywhere, then how do they know? I mean, they could say that well, it's likely that you were you were in this area and other people were in this area and have COVID. But yeah, and that's you know, all it I, is at this point. Okay. That's literally all it is. It's just saying that, hey, you may have been exposed to somebody who, who has since tested positive. And so, you know, it, you know if, if you're displaying any symptoms, get tested. If you're nervous about it, go get tested. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just letting you know that, hey, you know, that the other day when you ran to the gas station, well, it turns out five people who were at that gas station that day ended up getting COVID. We don't know whether it was somebody who was there pumping gas, somebody there panhandling, whether it was somebody who works there. We don't know. But somebody over there, you know, there seems to be a lot of, of, of COVIDs coming out of that gas station or that grocery store or that whatever, um, you know, insert location here. But, you know, these days people are, you know, even those who are, are going out are generally going to like a grocery store, a gas station, you know, maybe yeah. a Walmart. But, uh, you know, I say that I see cars at the Walmart. I drove past it the other day and saw cars there. I wouldn't go into Walmart right now unless it was like real early morning, uh, knowing that there would not be a lot of people there. You know, some Walmarts are open 24 hours. I'd be the guy who says, well, let's go over there at four in the morning before the radio show. There won't be a big crowd, uh, you know, um, but I have but, to say, Tobin went to Walmart this weekend. Yeah. He said it was a zoo or no Target. 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 Yeah. Maybe it was. I don't remember. One of those two. He Target Mart. It was an absolute. Exactly. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, Elaine said the same thing. She went, she drove over to Walmart. She wanted to get something there and she looked at the parking lot and she said, wow, it looks a little crowded. She got out and she walked into the entryway and looked around and turned around and walked back out and said, nope, not doing it. Not taking that risk today. Um, You know, I mean, I guess if we were in dire need of TP or something, we'd risk it. But, you know, you can get TP at your Stater Brothers and not have to face the bajillion people. Um, Instacart. Yeah, or Instacart or Amazon will drop drop a load of toilet paper on your doorstep. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it that don't regard you know don't involve you stumbling through a store. Um, yes. That, and, you know, and I, as, I, as I said, Instacart. Well, that puts the person who's working for Instacart at uh, yeah at, you know at risk. I, you know, tell you I've seen a, at the grocery store. Every time, I, I don't remember this happening prior to COVID, but at the grocery store, every time I've been, there's been somebody in line who is buying for Instacart or some other food delivery service now. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And a, and uh, I, a couple of weeks back, I got a meal um, at um, 
Oh, where was it? It was the, oh, it was the, um, um, oh, what's the chain that's the brew pub? Um, BJ's? BJ's, thank you. Uh, I was at BJ's, and I went to go pick up my meal, and they've set up sort of an outdoor kiosk type thing by their back door where you'd normally go in to pick up and you stand there and wait for your food and there's like little markers on their steps to keep everybody six foot apart and uh and i picked up my meal and three other people in line were picking up meals for delivery they weren't their meals so so those businesses are booming those businesses are booming but you're right it does mean that those people who are doing that are you know, accepting whatever level of risk there is for them to be out and about going to these things and doing these things, you know, and, uh, I have seen those persons displaying different levels of, of, uh, uh, protective behavior and where, and wearing, you know, some of them are just, you know, hurry up, get out of my way. I got to get this done so I can make some money and go do my next delivery. And others are, are, uh, you know, very careful and, and, you know, got themselves wrapped up with a face shield and a mask and they're, you know, they're making sure they stand back and, and they're still saying, hurry up and get out of my way. I'm trying to make money, but, but <laughs> not that they're being rude or anything, but you know, it's different when you're out, no, no, they're you doing know, their job. yeah, you know, they get, they, they get paid by getting more deliveries done, not, not by standing in line for, you know, the food guy. And at I the, always tip them well. Yeah. I always tip them well. Yeah. I have, you know, which, uh, increased my my tipping for meal prep and stuff as well um during this time although uh um you know we're doing most of our cooking and eating at home because uh uh you know my my swim team isn't is no longer functioning so we we lost a revenue stream in my household so so we're not eating out as much as we were maybe early on in covid we tried to eat a little bit out a little bit you know like once a week or so um and we've we've backed off of that a little bit but uh but um you know, we, we still go to Corky's on Sunday mornings generally to get a breakfast and we eat on that for, you know, three or four days during the week then. So because they're giant, we get these um, skillets that literally are, oh, it's like imagine a 10 inch iron skillet filled with stuff and they just dump that in your box, you know. And so it's like, yeah, I, I'm not eating that in a sitting. I'd explode. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyhow. COVID. Yes, we are. I'm really bad about hitting my bell. I got the bell, and then we we talk about food, and I forget to hit the bell because I'm sitting here salivating. That's right. I walked out of the radio station this morning, and of course, um, the restaurant there, Terry's Diner, they're they're the grills are are turned on and they're cooking, and it smells. I so know. Good. I know. When it I come over there, so it drives me nuts walking out and smelling that. <laughs> it's like if I were if I were at the station every day, I think I would probably have a standing order over there to say, you know, at this time, just have my meal ready. I'll figure out what I like because I usually do that. I usually go back and eat the same thing at a restaurant. So I just tell them, just just have my meal ready every day at this time. I'll be here. My huge. Yeah. yeah. Gotta have my huge. <laughs> come in, introduce myself. Hi, I'm your. I'm going to be your new regular. <laughs> just uh get the food ready you know um uh i yeah it's, it's tempting not to do that it really it really is but i think that doing the podcast immediately after the radio show helps because i can't be stuffing pancakes in my face while we're on the air yeah i, I was hearing a little um, in the background <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I know what you mean, though. When, you, when you've got to be talking, we try to maintain at least a facade of professionality here so that we can uh, move forward. So we'll see. We'll see. I um, uh, want to take a moment to talk about a, a new podcast that I'm going to uh, start up. I've done some of the prep work for it. And um, and I'm going to invite you and others to join in. And I'm calling it I'm going to call it rants and observations. And anybody who uh, I mean, I'll I'll pass edits on some of it just to make sure people aren't aren't going too much off the deep end. But if you have an observation or a rant or anything you want to do, record it, send it in and uh, and we will possibly put it on on the stream. Um, That's so, fine. Yeah. You know, That's I mean, fine. you know, because there's times when we go off on a rant on on things on the shows, you know, we've each taken our turn on that. I mean, I think I've. I've laid into Facebook a few times and, and, you know, you've had your turn on a few things that just kind of get under your skin sometimes, or you just get tired of that, that incredibly stupid behavior that you keep seeing repeated over and over. And you're going, would you people please pull your heads out of your behinds? And, uh, and so, you know, it's an opportunity for us to set the world straight and correct all the problems by telling everybody what they should do. Uh, <laughs> because we are so smart that we can oh, tell people what they absolutely. should do. Absolutely. Yeah, you you want to you want to you want to touch touchstone topic here. We're so smart, we should be liberal politicians. There you go. Because <laughs> we there know how go. everybody can live their life better. Um, yes, yeah. I do. I'm I am I am so important that I believe that I have the right to tell you how to live. Yeah, yeah. Which is a little unfair, but it's 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 a stereo. You know, it's a it's a stereotype, right? I mean, you could easily say, you know, hey. Uh, we run businesses, and so therefore we don't care about the little people. As long as business is doing well, then people will have jobs, and so therefore we should, you know, be in charge because you know, hey, we're going to be conservative politicians. <laughs> you know, if you want to play into stereotypes, right? Okay, but I will tell you that the Fortune 500 companies. It used to be that more, and I don't remember what the percentages are, but that that far more of them were Republican. Mm-hmm. Now, far more of them are Democrats. Mm-hmm. So that has changed. And yeah. So. Yeah. You know, one thing that I think it. one thing that during the the Trump presidency, I think that we've seen is that the um, Republican Party has picked up a lot of um, uh, and interestingly enough, lower income people or more air quotes, regular folk, which used to be sort of the the um, the purview of the Democratic Party and the Democrats seem to have picked up more of sort of the uh, educated the elite. elitist or not elitist, but elite business type of people who used to be, you know, if you were in a business or you ran a business, you tended to, to, to uh, lean very Republican. And so the two have kind of traded places in some, um, some respects. It will be interesting to see in a post Trump presidency, whether the Republicans, um, stay on that course or whether they sort of revert to the more traditional conservative views, because um, there are more than a few conservative people who have who have said, you know, right now, the Democrats represent more of my thoughts and more of my speaking than Trump. And he and they actually left the Republican Party, uh, not necessarily becoming Democrat. I mean, I'm one of those. I was a registered Republican my entire life. And uh, I am now a I'm not affiliated with a party um, because I just didn't care for the way he behaved. I thought it was so unpresidential that it was embarrassing. And so, um, you know, but that's my opinion, Um, you know, um, 
I understand those who say, you know, it's the, like I was saying the other day, it's the economy, stupid. You know, the economy was rolling along great. And, you know, there's people willing to put up with a lot of chicanery and, and, and ridiculous tweets if they got a job and food on the table and money and savings, right? So. Yes. Hey, there's a yes. rant. I could turn that into a rant. <laughs> I could easily turn that into a rant. And another thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, that's, you got to release and you got to laugh. I mean, when the world yeah. gets nutty and and frustrating and you know you just you ha- and and terrifying you have to laugh you there has to be a release um and you can either lose your mind you can laugh or cry and and, mm-hmm. and both can be productive but crying can be you don't want to be in a position where you're crying all the time because yeah. that's not emotionally healthy either yeah yeah you know, and honestly, I think part of our political state has been that is everybody's been basically either going back. Uh, politically, we've been going back and forth between crying and rage, <laughs> you know, and it's like everybody needs to just take a deep breath, calm down a little bit and and let's focus on getting healthy. Let's just do that. Let's forget Indeed. about all of the, you know, um, the the ginormous differences between us and say, you know, there's a lot of things in common. In fact, there's still so many more things in common. And in fact, for all of our differences, the differences between our our two major parties are minuscule compared to the differences between parties in in lots of other places in the world. I mean, um, you know, we agree on so many things, um, you know, and, and, and largely, you know, it comes back to an understanding that, you know, as a country, we believe in the rule of law. And uh, and despite uh, people complaining about Trump, ignoring that fact. All of his arguments and all of his his fights have been in courts of law, uh, as he's as he has has fought back against the results of this right. election. And so, you know, clearly he believes in the rule of law. He's following the yes. law. He's using it every way he possibly can to his advantage because that's what he does. You know, he, he's a fighter. There was no way on earth he was going to say, "Okay, you're right, we're done." That wasn't going to happen. If anybody thought that was going to no. happen, they're crazy. But he hasn't done anything, um, at least that I've seen or, or that I've, uh, that, that has been, you know, truthfully reported no. that, he's you know, not, was, Hey, I'm taking it. Right. Yeah. He's not bringing out the, the military to, uh, to, uh, lock people up who, who voted against him or disagree with him. He's fired a lot of people who disagreed with him. You know? Yeah, but that is his prerogative. They serve at the pres- pleasure of the president. They do, and he's not very pleased sometimes. No, <laughs> and I get the I get the impression that that you know he he likes people insofar as they are useful to him, yeah. and once their use to him is perceived to be over, or he, they're not as useful to him, right. then he has no problem getting rid of them because he would never really like them to begin with. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't think was, he has a lot of personal attachments outside of his family. No. And I, and I don't think that he has any capacity for empathy, right. which is, you know, you don't, the average person, I mean, beyond like, you know, I, Bill Clinton is, I feel your pain beyond that, you know, when you fire, you realize that the, the, that the person that you're employing is a human being. Right. And, um, and so firing them is the last thing you want to do. Right. So you, you want to work with them and you want yeah. them to, you know, you want to, you want to 
overcome any issues that you're having mm-hmm. to create more trust, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't have that capacity. He doesn't right. do that. Well, yeah, he doesn't do that. Or, um, you know, and I think that part of that is a facade that people who are in business, and I'm not saying all people do it. They all handle it differently with different personalities. He just has a very brusque personality. But anybody who's in business, who's in a position where you have to hire and fire people, you build up a certain, um, uh, you know, uh, wall that you, you have to put there. And, you know, and you, you tell yourself subconsciously, if not literally, you know, this is business and I have to do what's best for the business. That's what my job is, is to do what's best for the business. And that sometimes means firing people, um, sometimes not even firing them for, uh, for cause, but just saying, you know, we as a company don't need that function anymore, or we can't afford to pay for that function anymore. And that's a hard thing to do. And you have to, you know, you have to put up some walls. Otherwise it's emotionally devastating for you because you realize that person's got to go home and tell their family, we don't have an income to, to pay for our home and our food anymore. And I've got to go find new work. And, you know, and that's a, that's a tough thing. But a good company, um, there's a process that they go through, whether it's balancing the budget and they realize that they've got to cut some things or it's, it's, you know, figuring out where your, where your strengths lie or don't lie. Like maybe somebody's not a cultural fit. There was a thought process that led you, led you to that point. And that's all I mean. It's when, when I say that it's, that it's, you don't want to fire people, but sometimes you have to. I, for Trump, I don't think he has any qualms. I don't think he even makes it to that far. I think he thinks I can replace you. You're gone. I don't like you anymore. Right. And, and I, I, as I was saying, I mean, different personalities, it comes across or it's presented differently. And he is certainly a um, fairly emotionless, cold, callous approach to it. But, yep. you know, that also may be the result of, uh, you know, it's a result of his his personality, his upbringing, his um, business experience and the way he chooses to protect himself emotionally. You know, because I'm not going to say I'm not going to go so far. See, and I'm going to say I I won't go that far as to say that, you know, he's he's emotionless or that he has no empathy. I think he probably does. But I think that when it comes to. Right. No, but I added empathy on the end of that, Um, uh, that that he feels that if he puts himself in that position, that he makes himself vulnerable. And I don't think he's willing to do that. I think that makes him feel weaker and 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 so he won't allow himself to do that that's something that he made a choice to do it's just the way he handles business um you know um you know i think if you asked him about it he would he would say yeah yeah i understand but it doesn't mean you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do what i think i have to do regardless and um but he's also very egocentric i mean he is you know it's he he it, it's clear from from re- multiple people who have worked for him that that is, as long as he feels like you are uh, supporting him unequivocally and working for him, then he will have you working for him. If he feels like in any way that you have diverged from his direction and, and, and his his preferred path, then he will go find somebody else. Which, yes. you know, that just feeds his ego um you know and uh and that i think is probably unreasonable in today's world but you know um he's got a lot more money than me so i guess i I, he's been very successful in that sense um you know yes financially he has been well that's why i said in that sense (laughs) maybe not yeah yeah i'm agreeing with you i'm agreeing with you yeah yeah Um, yeah 
I honestly, I don't think I'm saying anything terribly controversial. I think that's pretty much agreed by, nope. by everybody, yep. you know, on either side of the aisle. It's like, yeah, that's who he is, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> he's our president. So you, you, you know, you take your marching orders and go or you go home. Um, I listened to a, a mm-hmm. an interview with Penn Teller on the Joe Rogan show that was really, um, uh, or not Penn Teller, Penn Gillette. Penn, it's Penn and Teller. Yeah, Penn right. Penn Gillette and, is the, the larger gentleman of the two. Um, yes. Although Teller, he's, Teller he's doesn't talk. Down. Oh, yeah, but he's still larger. Yes. I mean, he's, he towers over the other guy by a foot and a half. Um, he does. And so, Teller's a small uh, guy and, and Gillette's like 6'5". But, uh, yeah, he's well-spoken, so anyway, isn't he? It, Oh, he's great. And he was talking about, um, you know, because he had been on The Celebrity Apprentice and how he finds Donald Trump absolutely fascinating. But that that, you know, he talked about his kind of chaotic management style. So, you know, they're in this this set of the boardroom and 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 um, uh, Gillette found it. Penn Penn Gillette, um, you know, saw it for what it was. It's television. It's it's a set. It's not a boardroom. And the people. Um, who are his co-stars, they didn't. They saw it as a boardroom, and this isn't, you know, they saw it as being very serious. Um, uh, Teller did not, and um, uh, and I'm sorry, Gillette did not. Yeah, he did really and, well on that show, too, as I recall. He did, that, that and, but season. I think it's because he understood the yeah. real dynamic yeah. of show it's business. It's a game. <laughs> and, exactly, and he talked about how he really liked Donald Trump for because of his... Um, kind of the interesting way that he interacts with people. He said that that, uh, that they would film for hours right. just a few minutes of, of usable material. And most of the time it was President Trump. Of course, he wasn't president back then, but it was Trump, you know, uh, talking through things that were irritating him. So it would be like so-and-so said that I made a bad deal. I made a good deal. Wasn't that a good deal? You know, and it was really interesting um, because it's the same thing he does now. He's a deeply insecure person. Yes, Trump. absolutely. But he's also yeah. narcissistic. Yeah, it's an interesting mix, isn't it? Yeah, no, really I, I have, I have, I've listened to that same uh, interview, and uh, and yeah, it's it, it's very insightful, and and it's and it's done in a in an actually kind of uh, you know appreciative way, like you said, he he actually appreciates who Donald Trump is, and recognizes what that that that, that you know he had some insights there into how that worked. Uh, which is interesting because so many of the people that are, were on that Celebrity Apprentice were in show business. So, you know, how could they not see that for what it was? Um, but I also well, found it really... that was his impression. They weren't there to defend themselves, but that's how he... Right. That's how he saw them, right? Right. And yeah, so, true, true. Um, yeah, you got to understand that is his perspective. But it was um, uh, also interesting to see, you know, that what you see in the boardroom is just a little bit at the end of the show and at the beginning of the show or, you know, when they call, they're called in after a task and uh, not realizing that that was like a day-long process to sit there and do that. Yes. Be- you know, because and they had to let him ramble for hours and then pick out what they wanted. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mostly because they had to let him ramble for hours. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. So, I wonder, you know, for that one um, season after he left the show when Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing it, what the producers thought about, like, okay, hey, we come in and we shoot 20 minutes worth of, of video in – in 25 minutes and we're done, you know, as so opposed to, yeah, right? like, uh, production costs went way down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although apparently so did the interest in the quality in the show. Um, it wasn't something that I well, watched because... a whole lot of, but, uh, I do remember when, uh, Penn Jillette was on it. Um, I like him a lot. He, um, 
he wrote a book about his weight loss that is awesome. And if you get the audible version of that, he narrates it. Oh, it, cool. Well, basically, it, he started just eating potatoes, right? Right. Yes. Like, he just... Yeah, just that's all he ate were potatoes. Right, and it was basically and he's because a vegan now I think yeah he is pretty much, and he um, he uh, his his sort of mentor in that process, and he talked about it and and recognized that he's one of these guys who when he goes into something goes in it like one hundred and ten percent you know just all super gung ho, and he knew that if you tell me I've just got to start eating a little of this and a little of that that he he would it would just fritter it away and he would never make any headway and so for him he had to do a complete like 180 on everything he thought about food and that meant start with just one item just eat potatoes and he very carefully says this is not for everybody i don't this is not a diet book per se this is a log of my experiences understand you know this may or may not be the right way for you to approach things but for me it worked um because it's a little crazy to just say all you're going to eat for like 10 days is is potatoes and just and and when we say potatoes, we're talking about a baked or boiled potato. We're not talking about anything else on it. <laughs> he just ate potatoes. Yeah, he wasn't putting cheese and sour cream and right. bacon on it. Yeah, these are yeah, these, you know, because let's face it, there's a jillion different ways to make a potato, and I love them all. But a plain boiled or baked potato does get a little bland after you know, like the second bite. Um, so, yeah. Very interesting book. And it's very short. If you buy it as a read, I think it's only like 130 pages or something like that. Huh. Maybe I'll check that out. I, I absolutely love potatoes. Love mm -hmm. potatoes. And I have, um, I love my air fryer. Uh, I we, we regularly will make french fries in the air fryer. So you mm -hmm. get all the crisp without all the fat. And yeah. um, so, you know, they're really, they're they're not... They're not a problem. They're not a yeah, problem. Not so bad for you. Maybe a little sodium fun. for those who are salt. I know Tobin's got to watch his salt. Um, but, you know, you can get that but light you can put salt. Other stuff on it. Yeah, you, you can get that light salt, too, that has potassium. Pepper. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're, I was going to say, yeah. and then some nice spice. You know, a little Cholula makes makes a French fry taste pretty good. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. You know, we were talking so. Cholula the other day, and I um, uh, <laughs> realized that my bottle of Cholula... A, there's just a little dribble of Cholula in the bottom of it. B, it is past its best buy date. Now, there's not an expiration date on uh -oh. it. It just says best buy. And I'm going, well, maybe it's best buy this date, but it still tastes pretty dang good right now. Um, That's right. And okay, so I didn't throw it away. I've eaten. buy another bottle of Cholula. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've used, I've used that bottle of Cholula probably a dozen times since the expiration date, probably more than that. Um, and I haven't thrown it away yet, but there's, I, I'm down to the point where there's, you know, less than... Uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a tablespoon and a half in the bottom of the bottle, so it's probably time I uh, replace it. Um, but it was one of the, you know they come in like three different sizes. This was the large bottle, and you know, and I'm saying the bottles with the wooden tops on them, not the not the jugs, because I know you can go at you know Costco or say you know and buy a gallon jug of the stuff. But yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, um, I like yeah. hot sauce, but you I know, yeah, I, I don't need enough of it to to cover. That much of it. You don't run a commercial kitchen, and that's what those are for. Right, exactly. You know, and and um, you know, my wife has gotten to eating spicier stuff than she used to. In fact, we like a lot of our food pretty spicy between the two of us now. But uh, yeah, she's not a she's not one to go dumping a lot of hot sauce on stuff either. So, so I need a a one person size Cholula bottle that I can finish before it expires. So I'm thinking I'll go to the medium bottle next time. I think that seems about right. <laughs> so. So I walked into my house because it's a little chilly outside. And so 
you know, to, to, to finish the podcast in the house. Mm-hmm. And I am now covered in cats. <laughs> that happens <laughs> when you come into your house. Yet. Yeah, that happens yes. when you come into your house. The cats go, hi, mom, feed me. <clears throat> now, I'm going to say, they're gonna die. tell that good for nothing husband of yours to feed the cats before you get home because, you know, he's up. and only you can say that about him because he's your little brother that's right i can say good for nothing (laughs) i love my brother but um yeah you know and the funny thing is is that they probably don't bug him at all because you're the one who regularly feeds them so he gets up and they look at him like oh hi (laughs) here scratch me but other but they really don't bug him about the now if you waited long enough they'd probably start bugging him you know right If, if they got hungry enough they'd go like okay She's not here right now. You better take care of this. <laughs> At least that's how our dogs are. One of are. them is pretty vocal. He's going to start howling in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, that's how my dogs are. It's so, like, you know, when they're hungry, they bother my wife. They don't bother me. But if she's not there, they don't bother me. It's like, oh, mom's not here. We're not, you know, it's not food time yet. It's weird. They, she I, they, sets her foot in the door. And they go right. Back. Yeah. It's like they're, 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 they're triggers for like what time it is. But it's funny when she's home. I mean, you could set your watch by how, how, you know, they know when it's time to eat. They know what time in the morning they eat, know what time at night they eat. And if you're late, they let you know. But when she's not there, when she's not there, they don't even, you know, it's like, eh, you know, the the triggers aren't there. And so they don't, they don't track it right. It's funny. So I think we talked yesterday about um, uh, a little bit about what's happened to Fox News. Maybe we didn't. How um, Fox News called Arizona um uh for yeah in t- 10 seconds after the, the polls closed <laughs> yes and that really upset conservative voters and that, of course that is fox's be- bread and butter are conservative voters yeah well and it, and it really ticked off president trump and so he has been directing people to newsmax instead yeah. of uh fox news and on monday the network recorded its first ratings win over Fox News, the network being Newsmax TV. Mm. Um, so Greg Kelly reports at 7 p.m. averaged 229,000 viewers in the key 25 to 54-year-old demographic, while an average of two, uh, 203,000 viewers in the demo turned into Fox's The Story with Martha McCallum. Aha. So Fox still leads Newsmax, you know. Overall, um, right. But uh, Fox, yeah, overall. But Fox is accustomed to being number one in the 25 to 54 demographic. Um, so losing to Newsmax, even for one hour of the day, is a serious shock. Yeah, so no, that's a big Kelly's thing. Show had barely, yeah, Kelly's show had barely 10,000 viewers in the 25 to 54 demo and the 100 and 100,000 viewers overall uh, before the election. Typically, the highest rated Newsmax show of the day greg kelly reports had has just under a million viewers mm-hmm. uh or had just under a million viewers overall on monday so he um kelly uh kelly's show that barely had ten thousand viewers um uh now has uh just under a million viewers so nine hundred and forty nine thousand viewers seen a little uh, growth on monday so that's a <laughs> that is a that's an explosion it helps to have a president say that's hey go look at this you know Ask uh, well, and, ask and former he, President Obama about people buying books. You know, he's been making a, yeah, no a ton of bucks, you know. Um, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of gravitas with being a president, whether you like him or not. There is. You know, there that, is. that office just carries yes. a lot of weight. 
yeah. but, and half of the country, half of the country likes him. So yeah, or at least well, voted for him. More people so, than anybody else in history, other than the guy he lost to, voted for him. You know. Yes. I mean, it's Pray it's amazing him. to think that the guy who lost the election had more people vote for him by like twenty million people, or not twenty million, but it was like ten million or something people and change. Uh, you know, than anybody else had ever voted for a president before, and he still lost. You know, we had that, that shows you for 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 once in our history, we actually had a turnout that was like not embarrassingly low. You know, because our country has had traditionally pretty low turnouts on their elections compared to a lot of other places. They have. It, it was interesting because I was watching uh, some political commentary show that I watched tons of them. I don't remember which one it was. And they were saying how in Australia, 100 percent of the people vote and America needs to be like that. And we have to we have to do what Australia does. Well, it's compulsory in Australia. Yeah, you, it's be... illegal not to vote. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't show up. Do they will find you. Yeah. We're not going that far because, yeah. hey, land of the free. You know, I wish they did yeah. make I wish and, they would and, make uh, Election Day a national holiday, though. Just I just agree. give people the day off and just say, I hey, agree. it's Election Day. Let's, you know, treat we'll it vote. like like a Fourth of July type of thing. It's Election Day. Everybody wear red, white and blue and, and you know, bang a drum and, and go go do your civic duty or, or Although, express your civic right. Junkie, for me, it, for, it would be better for me personally if it was the day after election day because I'm up really late on election day. Yeah. I don't want to work on the day after I've been up really late. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Although we would still be on the air, so who am I kidding? Yeah, exactly. You know, the next morning it's like, yeah, good morning. How are you? Who won? We don't know. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. But uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when it comes to Newsmax, I actually had never heard of Newsmax until about, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago. And I was just scanning around through the different news channels that are available on uh, on DirecTV because that's my my, you know, service provider and um, and found Newsmax. And so I didn't know anything about this, the channel at all. But I just started watching it a little bit because I like to look for different sources of news. And so I went, oh, here's one I hadn't heard of before. So I just, you know. That okay, I'll start watching it for a while, and within you know f- less than five minutes of watching it, it was so clear that this was uh, even m- further right than Fox in their bias. You know, I-, I was like, oh, okay, this is a really, really uh, conservatively biased news channel, um, and and so it's like okay well now that I know that you know that's a source for some news but I don't go back and watch it very much because um, I felt like it was you know I feel like Fox is very biased in a lot of ways um, I felt like these guys were even more so and so it just seemed like Fox on steroids to me um, so not to say there aren't great my, people my there favorite, my favorite conservative source of news is the Daily Wire mm-hmm. And so um, I, I read their articles and they're they're completely transparent about being a conservative news source. Um, but they but the one thing that they do, and I talked about the Sunday specials before, is they interview people and they've interviewed people, lots of people who don't agree with them politically, um, you know, uh, and including mm-hmm. um, and I've forgotten the guy's name from from uh, someone from Vox, which is like the equivalent of Daily Wire on the left, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, it makes for interesting and engaging um, uh, interviews and, and conversations. And so yeah. um, I do like 
I like the Daily Wire as a source of, of conservative news. And, and yeah. I understand. I like National Review. Conservative news. I, like, I, I generally like National Review, too. I'm not a subscriber anymore, but I used to be. Yeah. I like National Review, and they have a podcast called The Editors, which is pretty good. Um, and it's a lot of people who do editorial writing for them, and they talk, they talk about topics of the day. That's a weekly podcast that I enjoy. Um, and I listen to uh, NPR's um, Left, Right, and Center, which I also enjoy. And oh, Rich, yeah. Rich Lowry is very often the right on that, and he is the um, uh, the host for uh, National Reviews. He, he's the editor of National Review, and he is the host for he their is. Uh, the editor's podcast as well. Um, I really wonder what Charles Krauthammer would think of all the things that are happening now. Of course, he passed away, but <laughs> right. um, uh, I loved his commentary. Yeah. So there, there are conservative voices that 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 I really have loved over the years: George Will and Charles Krauthammer, and and mm-hmm. um, Peggy Noonan, and many others. Mm-hmm. Bill um, Buckley. That that uh, Bill <laughs> Talking Buckley. About the National Although Review. I found. He yeah, was... I found William, he was very um, snooty. <laughs> yes, yes. He he reminded you of the upper crusty, like, old, rich New England guy, you know, like, like yes. almost like... Um, that's what he was. Like FDR. But yeah, it's like, that's who he was, you know. But he had a, a very um, uh, specific dialect and, and a distinctive... Um, framing and use of vocabulary that were yes. very indicative of a guy who was a graduate of Yale and mastered in debate. And, you know, I mean, that, that's yes. who he was. That's that's who he is. And, you know, he didn't put on any fronts or fakes or, or any attempts at being that's anything but that. Was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he reminds me of the character on MASH, the Colonel um, David Ogden. Ogden oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you're right. Totally, you're right. Yes. It's very similar um, uh, dialect, very similar um, uh, speech patterns. Affect. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, yeah, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we are completely out of time. Wow. We went way over again. Twice today we've been over. That's a sign of good conversation, let me tell you. So uh, hopefully people will come back and join us for some more good conversation tomorrow. Uh, This has been Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Erin Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you or at least talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) 